A recent article about gun control stated that after nearly 300 years, the only reason for the government to want to disarm the citizenry was because they planned to do something we'd shoot them for. The government says it's for your safety, but you see, pulling the teeth of the sheep for their safety will not make the wolves harmless. That's a reality that's hard to deny. But then reality is what we do. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And here to sort out the madness is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a brand new week, a brand new day at TNN Live. It's not really a brand new week because we were together on Monday. We celebrated July 4th yesterday with you away from going on the air. I just want to put it that way. We publish stories at truthnewsnet.org, but we didn't come on live. In respect for you, those of you that really, really took the day off, I mean, you just decided to get away from all of your responsibilities, at least most of them, just to clear your head. That's why we did it yesterday. But I want to thank you for coming back today, Wednesday, and we've got a short week, so we've got much we have to cover. While you and I were taking off, even though we were told those people in Washington, D.C. weren't working, Congress is not in session, um, there was a lot of stuff going on. And we have news coming out of the White House. I know that shocks you, (laughs) news coming out of the White House. But it isn't good news. And we have some news coming out of Louisiana. You don't get big news out of Louisiana very often, but this one really is big, and it has to do with something very, very important in your lives and mine. And then we've got some Chinese economic news that will petrify you. It did me when I heard about it yesterday. A lot of crazy things going on, folks. We've all got to find a way to work through it. I mean, let's let's face it. We... Uh, Just in case we keep breathing, we're going to have to deal with all this craziness that we're slapped in the face with every day. I'm still stuck on the pronoun controversy. Whenever I meet anybody, I'm almost afraid to introduce them to someone else because I don't want to get the pronouns wrong. Can you believe we live in a world where science no longer matters, especially after being hit over the head with it for three years every day by Dr. Anthony Fauci. You've got to follow the science. Follow the science. And one day when he was especially hit hard for saying that, he clarified what he meant. And he said, I am the science. So Mr. I am the science, biologically, he is a proponent for, guess what? Male and female. Now, does that mean because he is the science, he's accurate, and the rest of the world's got to sit down and shut up? I wish that was true, but obviously it is not true. I struggle with that. I'm serious. I don't want to offend anybody. We're good southern genteel people, and when we meet people, especially for the first time, or we see somebody we hadn't seen in a long time, We want to say the right things, and I don't know how to handle this pronoun thing. And just when I think I've got it figured out, 
and get my arms around it. They change the rules again. And the rules, by the way, have nothing, nothing at all to do with science. I'll just drop this little this little polling thing on top of you. Of all of the people that are recorded and ones that would respond that had transition surgery over the last 30 years, that includes a bunch of people, transitioning from one sex to another, they call it that, but you cannot transition away from your biological sex. Just ask, doctor, I am the science. Wouldn't it be cool if we could pin another one on Dr. Anthony Fauci? Of all those people that agreed to talk to the polling entity, less than 16% of those that had fully transitioned are glad today that they did it and say if they had it to do again, they would not do it. Now, if the media in the United States overall, if we were looking at a media that is honest, they would tell everybody that. They would tell all these teachers that are very quietly, surreptitiously coaching, grooming our young students as young as first grade encouraging them to contemplate and consider transitioning, biological transitioning. And these people are finding out, even after they say, it was the wrong thing I did, you can't transition back. It's biologically impossible. When you go the first time, they change things. They lop off sex organs, breasts do all kinds of crazy surgery that changes somebody for eternity. Now, let me just say this. If if we lived in a society where we were totally committed to being clear about everything, good, bad, and ugly, about everything, and just gave the facts, throw it all out there, and just let people armed with facts make all of their decisions for themselves and their kids... We don't live in that world. We have a media that is sold out to one thing and one thing only. They're going to determine the news, and here's how they determine the news, and they have the right. They give us the facts, but then they tell us in the same paragraph, they tell us here's what the facts mean, never letting or respecting that we could even do it. Identify ourselves what the facts actually mean. If we lived in that world, we wouldn't be struggling with this pronoun issue. We'd be laughing at each other or anybody that believes it's actually feasible and honest to do that. It's not. It's not. You can call anybody, any sex that you want. You can do that. But just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. Again, I thank you for joining us here today at Truth News Net, TNN Live. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Central. By the way, anytime you miss a show and you want to go back and grab it, feel free to do so. You can go find TNN Live at any one of your podcast hosting sites. 
If you have an iPhone, your iPhone Apple podcast app is the purple one that comes on your phone. Click on that, and in the search bar, just type in, in parentheses, uh, excuse me, quotation marks, TNN Live. Our show will pop up and just bookmark it, and anytime you miss a show, you can go back there and pick it up. Don't want you to miss any of them. If you missed any last week, they were hot. Big news coming out this week. I'm going to say this right now. Actually, I'm going to wait till after uh, we do our first little beginning thing that we do every day. <laughs> we give you some good music. Good music. Make you feel good about being back at work. Steve Baker, big news. Blockbuster news. We'll get into that in just a minute.
tell me you didn't pat your foot or clap your hands a little bit listening to that Brian McKnight version of that song. I can't go for that. Paul and Oates did that originally. Hey, again, thank you for being here today. We got much to get into. We're going to talk about the Biden family. And why don't we just jump right into this one? As I'm sure you have heard, they, being the Secret Service, found cocaine in the White House. Hmm. It's a big deal, of course. Why? Because (laughs) cocaine in the White House. I'm sure it's probably not the first time there's been cocaine there. That's a story for another day. We won't even launch into that. But isn't it curious? Let me just say this. I know the procedures for what you go through to get in the White House. Everybody, everybody goes through it. They have drug-sniffing dogs. They have scanning that they do. Your purse, your wallet, everything is scanned before you go in the White House. And, of course, the drug dogs. How could that cocaine get in the White House knowing those procedures? Well, not, not quite everybody goes through those procedures. Everybody does, except members of the first family. Wait a minute, Dan. You're not saying somebody in the first family brought cocaine into the White House. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't have any other explanation, do you? And oh, by the way, one of the uh, known drug abusers in the Biden family happened to be in the White House over the weekend for a little bit, and that would be Hunter, who went to Camp David with his dad, spent the weekend there, but came back to the White House, was at the White House before he left. Just saying. Just saying. Now, if the Department of Justice, if they're honest, they can run tests on that cocaine, and we've already been told they're testing it to find out where it came from, what kind of stuff it has in it other than just cocaine. You know, they cut it. Sometimes they cut it with sugar or other entities. I don't know. I just watch the TV shows like you. If they're honest, they'll tell us where it came from. It can be traced. Oh, my gosh. Could you see another Hunter Biden drug scandal in the making? Or maybe somebody else in the royal family. We call them royal family. The Biden family syndicate. Oh, well, I just thought I'd throw that out there. With all of this stuff that's happening, the 2020 high in the confidence in our U.S. government by Americans, it was 46%. It has plummeted. While 46% of Americans expressed confidence in the U.S. government in 2020, it fell to 31%. While Joe Biden's been president. This is according to the Gallup National Survey. Not a little in the tank conservative polling agency. And by the way, in 2021, when we were in our pandemic, it had dropped to 40%. Now down nine more points. The 2020 number nears the record lows of 2013 and 2016. 29% and 30% respectively. And even in 2018, 31%. 
A 2020 high of 46% may have been influenced by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we could sit here and pontificate as all of the pontificators do about what that's all about. I'm just going to give you the numbers and I'm going to trust you to process those in your head. But they are important for us to look at. Looking at a trend, not just one month, not just one poll, but confidence in this president continues to slip. I'm sure you heard over the holiday about the really big, big government feedback that came out when a attorney, a federal attorney in my state, he responded to a lawsuit filed by Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry. And it comes in the government big tech censorship case where we found out, and we were shocked, we shouldn't have been, that the government folks, many in different parts of the government, were colluding with people in big social media and have been doing so for years, getting them to cover some stories but block others. Now, there seems to me, and I'm not a lawyer, but I understand the free speech First Amendment and basically what it means. It seems like our government getting social media, getting those big platforms to censor things that we could see, things that we could say, censor that to keep us from seeing and hearing it. That has to be a violation of the First Amendment. Well, Judge Landry, Jeff Landry, not Judge Landry, he felt that way, and so he filed this long lawsuit along with another state attorney general. The decision was handed down July 4th. Kind of cool that it happened that day. It comes in the middle of a very legal, lengthy, ugly battle, challenging what our AG described as one of the most massive undertakings of the federal government to limit American speech in the history of the United States. He said, Landry said, the things that we uncovered in this case should be both shocking, appalling, concerning to every American. And so he said, we're glad to see that the judge saw it our way. The AG stressed how important this case is, and he expressed his satisfaction with the court's decision. It's a great day today. I mean, what a day to have this handed down by the federal courts, Independence Day of all days. This could be, arguably, one of the most important First Amendment cases in modern history. He went on to say that Independence Day marks a day in our history when its men went out and fought against tyranny specifically to be able to enjoy liberty. There is no liberty if we don't have the ability to talk about our important ideas, to debate those in the marketplace of ideas and on the public square. There is no liberty and no independence when you can't do that. So this district judge, his name is Terry Doty, he granted the injunction in the case of State of Missouri v. Joseph R. Biden Jr., brought by the Attorneys General of Louisiana and Missouri, and that lawsuit was filed last year. The ruling focuses on the alleged coordination between high-ranking White House officials and social media platforms to target and remove content from certain posters. 
Now, I tell you what, let's do. Let me let let me just hear let you hear what big time media had to say about this case. And new at five today, a Trump appointed federal judge blocked the Biden administration from contacting social media companies about protected speech. Attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri argued government officials went too far in their efforts to limit disinformation and hate speech on social media platforms. The judge said he's likely to side with the Republican attorneys general in a final ruling. The White House said the Justice Department is reviewing the injunction and will evaluate its options. Did you catch what that reporter said at the beginning? Let me let you listen to the first couple of sentences she started this report with. In New at 5, today a Trump-appointed federal judge blocked the Biden administration from contacting social media companies about protected speech. Attorneys general in Louisiana and Missouri argued government officials went too far in their efforts to limit disinformation and hate speech on social media platforms. The judge said he's likely to side with the Republican attorneys general in a final ruling. The White House said the Justice Department is reviewing the injunction and will evaluate its options. Isn't it clear to us all what constitutes free speech? That old saying, and you've heard it a million times, I've every once in a while quoted it here, free speech means you can scream and say anything to anybody about anything, you can do so freely. There may be, and often are repercussions from what you said, not that you're saying it, but what the content of what you said was, that's a whole different story. It does not matter. And the horror of this whole thing is our government has been doing it for years. It shouldn't shock anybody that big tech, specifically Google and Twitter and Facebook, that those people, when they got a call from the FBI, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? It's the FBI. It's the Biden administration. It's the Trump administration. Yes, it happened in the Trump administration. We know that. I don't think Trump and his administration, Kaylee McEnany, she told us she didn't know that it was going on and she was the media press secretary the second half of the Trump administration. But it was still going on, and it was purposeful. And the timing on this was impeccable. It was so coordinated time-wise. The FBI had Hunter Biden's laptop back in 2019. 2019, they had it. When the New York Post broke the story about the laptop. Now, this is not until the fall of 2020 election year, right before the election, right before the final debate between Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Not only did those 51 intelligence officials sign that fake letter that verified Hunter Biden's laptop was nothing more than Russian disinformation, every one of those 51 knew they were lying when they signed that letter, every single one. We found that out after the fact. But we're talking about free speech right now. What was the free speech element that was taken away by the government? Government officials called the social media platforms and told them, 
Well, the intelligence, 51 intelligence officials are releasing a letter tomorrow that verifies the Hunter Biden laptop is fake. It's nothing more than Russian disinformation. So we want you to stop the story from being distributed on Facebook, Twitter, Google, and other social media platforms. And we're saying, we can't tell you what to do, but we're going to suggest, strongly suggest, that you block this story from going out because it's going to impact the election results. And it's it's obvious that it is Russian disinformation, and that would cause people to change their votes, which probably is exactly what happened. Change their votes the other way. A lot of people that have been polled after the fact said if they had known about this laptop and its contents before the 2020 election, they would not have voted for Joe Biden. You never know. And you never know what the impact would have been or could have been. But obviously, we fight regarding one vote. Think about the hundreds and thousands and millions of voters out there who made their choices based upon that lie, at least not having that information. And we still haven't gotten it all figured out. And it's because of the curbing of free speech by the Biden administration. You would think something like that happens, oh, I don't know, in China, in North Korea, in Russia, but not in the United States of America. The government should not be calling big tech media companies and inferring that they need to block somebody that's going to say something that they call untrue. But it's not their place to determine anything anybody says. That's the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. Well, you probably didn't know this, but July 4th was a big, big victory day for the American taxpayer. What's this all about? That and a bunch more after this. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Howdy. The streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Equals Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. 
Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Guardian of the Truth, Knight of the Republic, Speaker of the Facts, Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, torrents of bad news on government spending. Those torrents, I love that word, torrents, T-O-R-R-E-N-T-S, torrents of bad news on government spending constantly spew forth from Washington, D.C. We hear about it every day. And there's nothing you and I can do about it but just scream and holler and uh, try to get our lawmakers to stop letting it happen. Here's an example. The feds recently admitted they'd made $247 billion in improper payments, $247 billion, just last year. Now, that money, that $247 billion that flushed down the commode, it's yours. It's your tax dollars. Since 2004, it brings the tally. Are you sitting down? $3 trillion worth of mistakes. Giving away your tax dollars since just 2004. $3 trillion. Now, what does that number mean? It's roughly the equivalent of the gross domestic product of the entire United Kingdom, $3 trillion. Federal workers, our federal workers somehow managed to lose it between the uh, figurative couch cushions in D.C. The numbers only get worse. Large programs like Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, you probably heard of it, it's called SNAP, and Temporary Assistance to Needy Families, didn't even report those numbers aren't included in the $3 trillion number. Bureaucrats decided not to report it, knowing those programs would be risk-susceptible. No harm, no foul, they said. You don't know it, so it can't hurt you. We're not going to tell you what those numbers are. Nearly every federal program has been either legally gamed or illegally looted over the last three years. You want another example? Yet another report came out estimating $200 billion, $200 billion, at least $200 billion lost to fraudulent COVID-related loans to small businesses. That admission comes from the SBA's own Inspector General. Washington is horrible at doling out our money efficiently. They know it, but they keep asking us for more. So when there's a glimmer 
of good news that is contrary to this mess. It's worth taking a pause to say, hey, we're going to celebrate it and consider how we might compound it. Washington's own internal watchdog, the GAO, Governmental Accountability Office, reported last month that $46.8 billion of duplicative spending was found and they eliminated it. Since 2010, $600 billion has been cut from the taxpayer tab. Wow! They finally saved a dollar. The only reason we know this is thanks to the late Senator Tom Coburn of Oklahoma back in 2010. Congress and former President Obama were once again engaged in tense negotiations over raising the debt ceiling. Now, this is in 2010. Coburn demanded the deal require that the GAO to routinely search for duplicative programs across departments and tease out inefficiencies. That information is regularly shared with Congress to help them make better informed decisions with your tax dollars. That $600 billion, <laughs> that was just an accident. Congress didn't do it. We discovered it in time, and the GAO said, hey, we got to cut that. Coburn himself argued, turning this ready-made list of cuts into savings is one of the best ways Congress can regain the trust and confidence of the American people. So, you think Joe Biden's approval is bad. Congress's is only 20%. And that means it would serve every member to keep that in mind. Cut the wasteful spending. No American, regardless of party or ideology, wants to see our tax dollars fund unnecessary duplication and bloat. The evidence shows it's not only Republicans, Democrats understand this too. Back in 2015, after five years worth of these congressionally mandated GAO reports on duplication, the Senate Committee on Homeland Security held a hearing in which both parties probed looking for inefficiencies and overlapping missions within the DHS. I think that's a good thing to do. I think they ought to do that every year and make it available to the American people. DHS is a big, enormous department. And it didn't even exist before the 9-11 attacks. Ranking member Tom Carper, who, by the way, is a Democrat from Delaware, the president's home state, opened a hearing by affirming that these GAO reports show we need sustained leadership and oversight in both the executive branch and in Congress to decide where there is unnecessary duplication or where we need better coordination among government programs with similar missions. Of Coburn, the Delaware senator said, whenever we talk about duplication, I think about Tom Coburn. And I know his spirit is here with us today. Oftentimes we tack on amendments to a piece of legislation and take votes on them and they are messaging votes. This was far more than that. This was an amendment passed on a debt ceiling increase back in 2010 that has had a real impact provided us excellent information, and provided real savings. So again, this hearing really is a tribute to Senator Tom Coburn. Carper was obviously stating the obvious. 
The Coburn rule isn't political. It's just conscientious, good governing. We need more of it from our leaders and more consistently. This $600 billion in savings, it's a clear, resounding victory for American taxpayers. But it is only a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the losses that are happening every day, wasting our money. Plenty of work remains for every government leader. And the spirit of the Coburn rule's got to be consistent. It's got to be a touchstone, and it's got to decide every decision that our lawmakers make, especially when it comes to money. Now, I told you going into our first break today, we've got some really big news this week. If you weren't with us on Monday, I kind of teased what's coming up. Our very own Steve Baker has been working closely on a huge project in Washington, D.C., working closely with who you ask, with fellow members of the journalism industry, and also some people from Congress, some congressional workers, people that work behind the scenes in Congress. And there is an expose that has been verified, it's been documented, and it's about to be released by Steve Baker. This is going to blow the lid off of every horror story about government you have ever heard in the United States government. And it implicates a lot of people, specifically no unnamed sources, documented, affirmative. I have heard what the sources are, and I've seen some of the sources myself. This is going to blow our minds. If you think Watergate, was a travesty. If you think what Lyndon Johnson did when he was president after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, if you think any of that was a horrible situation, get ready. It's going to blow your mind. When's it going to happen? I've been told it will get it early this week, and we're already at midweek, so I expect it at any time. And when it happens, it's going to happen this way. I'm going to get a call from Steve, and he's going to say, okay, we need to go right now. If it's happening this week or any time, anything like this comes up and we're not in a show, we will, in the next show, we will make sure you know about it, and we will, at truthnewsnet.org, post notices up there, about the big thing that's coming out. But he is going to break it here on TNN Live. I can't tell you any more than that. I can tell you I spent a lot of time with him over the weekend discussing it. In fact, we had two very, very long, in-depth conversations. And it's a really, really big deal. Really big deal. So what else is going on out there? Well, the FISA, the FISA Act. This is the act that was implemented after 9-11. Think about how long ago that was, 9-11, 2001. 22 years ago almost. Golly, it seems like it was yesterday. I don't know where you are, where you were that day. I know most people can tell you exactly where they were, what they were doing when they heard about it the first time they saw 
the Twin Towers in New York on fire, and then eventually the second plane hitting, and then shortly after that, both towers fell. I was sitting in my office at a building that uh, we built to house our operations, was sitting back in my office, and I had a TV up in the corner, but it wasn't on. And somebody knocked on my office door and said, Mr. Dan, you need to turn the TV on. This is crazy what's going on. So I turned it on. And I saw this video immediately and had no idea what was going on. I knew it was the Twin Towers. I'll never forget that day. And many of you won't. The FISA Act was created after that to give our government, here we go, When we give government more power, what typically happens? They abuse more power. And usually if we give them 20% more power, they'll start acting like we gave them 30 or 40 or 50% more. They push the limit every time. The FISA Act was to give, it created a separate court, a FISA court. And this court would listen to our intelligence officers bring information and bring affidavits in, sworn affidavits with an application for a FISA warrant. Now, what did it apply to? It only was supposed to apply to conversations that happened between Americans and happen could be telephone. It could be text messages. However, the communication happened when and if the FBI, the CIA, any other of our intelligence agencies had cause, just cause, and presented evidence to the FISA uh, court, the FISA judge could issue a warrant and give them the ability to monitor those communications. Now, how could a judge make that determination? A judge had to have confidence in and trust the department, the FBI, the CIA, DNI, whoever brought it in, and then would issue the warrant based on that. Our FBI, during the Russia investigation and before the 2016 election, lied to the FISA court. That would be former FBI Director James Comey and his minions, lied on warrants to give the FBI the legal ability to monitor the communications of the Donald Trump campaign. Now, that's one that we know about. And then they lied on a renewal warrant because these these uh, um, these warrants that are taken by the judge have a specific time limit. And then the FBI or whoever does it has to go back and get a renewal or get another one. They lied over and over and over again. That was when it became apparent to many of us Our intelligence agencies have been and are spying illegally on Americans. And so I got a lot of respect for Senator Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. He is way more conservative than most of us. And he can't stand giving the government unfettered power to do anything because they always abuse it. He hates the FISA system and he wants it gone, and it has to be renewed, and when the renewals come up, it takes Congress to do it. So congressional Democrats, of all people, have joined now in bipartisan effort 
to reform the FISA Act in the middle of abuses, but guess who's holding holding it up? Republican outrage. Now, the Republicans are the ones that have been screaming, we got to get rid of FISA. They're abusing it. They're abusing it. And now Republicans are holding it up saying, wait a minute, because of the findings in the Durham report, including recent calls to impeach Attorney General Merrick Garland, and has likely hurt the efforts to do away with FISA. It's due in December of this year, the reauthorization of FISA. Particular focus on Section 702 of the FISA law, which permits the government to conduct targeted surveillance on foreign people outside the U.S. These communications that they're having with Americans or other foreign people, but who are in the United States, with the assistance of electronic communication service providers to acquire foreign intelligence information. Sounds benign. But as usual, these agencies have lied about it. They pushed the envelope, and they're doing far more than they are supposed to do under the law. So beyond the concerns about that FISA abuses, lawmakers are also worried about the FISA court, otherwise known as the uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, which oversees requests for these warrants against foreign spies who are inside the U.S. by federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. The judges in this court, they rotate. It's created by Congress, and it's been described as a tribunal. The exact location of their courtroom, secretive nature of the entire process, has raised widespread concerns about transparency. The most recent and most glaring example is perhaps the discovery amid the first and second DOJ special counsel probes on the Russia collusion in the 2016 presidential election. And the travesty was that an FBI lawyer altered a document related to the secret surveillance of Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. And it was altered to get a FISA warrant. The defendant, Kevin Kleinsmith, pled guilty in 2020 to a single false statement charge, admitting that he doctored an email that the FBI relied on as it sought court approvals to eavesdrop on Carter Page back in 2017. That, my friends, is a drop in the bucket. Republicans argue the findings by the Second Justice Department Special Counsel John Durham further prove FISA abuse. Durham has issued a final report on the matter late last month, testified publicly on Capitol Hill. Also in May, a U.S. court found the FBI improperly searched for information in a U.S. database of foreign intelligence uh, just a few times. 278,000 times they did it illegally over several years, including, by the way, on Americans that they say were suspected of committing crimes. So in the middle of this criticism, law enforcement and the U.S. intelligence community insist Section 702, that's the law that created FISA, is vital because the information collected 
protects the U.S. and its allies from hostile foreign adversaries, including terrorists. Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut, the most feckless senator there is in the intelligence world, in my opinion, he argued at a Senate hearing that Section 702 was instrumental in preventing major catastrophic aggression against our nation, also helping our allies like Ukrainians with intelligence that was extremely critical to pushing back the Russians and their invasion of Ukraine. So you got one. He's talking about the 9-11 attacks in 2001 and Ukraine in 2022. So we've had this Section 702 in FISA all that time. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan said that Durham's final report shows there was political bias against former President Trump at the highest levels of the FBI. This Congress, now this is Jordan speaking, this Congress needs to change the 702 program relative to the FBI and to use the appropriations process to get policy language that will help with what were called the weaponization of these agenda agencies against the American people. I read the Durham report. It is damning, but I must be honest. I think we need the FISA court in its purest form, unadulterated, honest form, honest format, because I don't trust the FBI or the CIA. I think it needs to be more clarified, and there needs to be more supervision, and those in supervisory positions over it need to be held accountable, and the accountability needs to be in a specific structure so that nothing can slip through the cracks. The very idea about somebody in the FBI listening to one of your phone calls, that's spooky, folks. That's third world stuff, Banana Republic. That's Russia and China stuff. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 best value brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image yours from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY.
Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Again, Dan Newman. I don't want to keep going back to the trans stuff. And I call it stuff because it includes a lot of different things. You and I both know that. We know how horrible it can be. I think, though, Americans, especially young Americans, need to understand factually what's involved, and what the cost, the permanent cost, are. guy named Daniel Black, he says he started making his plans with his doctor to surgically remove his penis. And this consultation and the decision to do that was made 30 minutes into the conversation concerning his struggles with gender identity back when he was 17 a 17-year-old. So Black left that appointment with a prescription for hormonal replacement therapy. At 19, the Czech Republic citizen had his penis surgically removed and received breast implants. He's now 23, and he is detransitioning. In other words, going back to his male sex. On Twitter... Black said one would have to be insane to believe bottom surgeries are good for patients. The surgeons removed Black's testicles, and they created what they call a neo-vagina. Black said, The whole experience was horrible and exhausting. I was not able to finish school. My mental state went from bad to worse. I don't recommend undergoing this surgery to anyone for any reason. Black said he's lost the ability to orgasm, will not be able to have children. He now has to have testosterone injected into his body and is looking forward to an experimental penis transplant surgery. This January, Black had his breast implants removed. He said the surgery destroyed my life. He credits his fiancée, Teresa, for being able to be who he truly is, to help him to be who he truly is. At the beginning of our relationship, I didn't know what my role was supposed to be. She's a biological woman. I was playing the role of a fake one. But it's hard. For the first time in forever, I am not acting or hiding behind a mask. I am honest about who I am, and it's utterly terrifying. Terrifying and liberating. Remember that in May, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a law banning gender-affirming care for minors. There are now 19 states with laws on the book restricting gender-affirming care. It's crazy that doctors and specialists provide children with this experimental treatment instead of offering them extensive psychotherapy. That's black speaking. These people then have to live with drastic, lifelong consequences. I think we're at a place now 
where more Americans are realizing that it's very rare for this need, desire, for transitioning. It's very rare that it shows up and gets to the level where someone would even consider going through this. But then when you put adults in their lives in the picture, hmm, you know where I'm going with this. You put adults that they trust, people like maybe parents, but more often than not, their peers at school, their social peers, and their teachers, educators, people that your tax dollars are paying for to actually teach our kids how to become adults and live in the world. And they're behind the backs of parents. We're finding out that's happening more and more and more. They're grooming these kids. And I think in many cases, these teachers doing it, it's like a science experiment for the teachers. Now, we're not talking about people that are psychiatrists or psychologists or even analysts. We're talking about educators. These are people that went to college and learned how to teach education. They're not physicians. And in these situations, a physician, a surgeon alone, doesn't get the job done. It's way, 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 way bigger than surgery. The mental and emotional ramifications are even, they are so unbelievable and so critical, we can't even comprehend what they are. I'm not going to bring stories like this very often, but I think it's critical that we as adults, you that is listening, you need to have this. We never know when it's going to confront us in our lives. It may not be our kids. Could be our grandkids. It could be extended family members, or it could be people that work for you and their family members. We've got to have facts to negate this. We've got to stop this because it is destroying far more people than it could ever help. And I told you at the top of the show that stat fewer than 16% of the people that transition at the end of this whole horror show that you just heard Mr. Black, even though he's in Czechoslovakia, you heard him tell us about. It was the biggest mistake he's ever made. He'll never be the same, literally. And he had no support, real obvious medical support to give him facts, but he was groomed. Transitioners groomed him and coaxed him and gave him untruths. He wasn't getting the good information, and so he opted to listen to the bad. He'll pay this price for as long as he lives. That's horrible. That's horrible. Let's get off that. Let's get to some other bad stuff going on. How about, oh, I don't know, the Biden family syndicate. Let's bring in former Utah Congressman Jason Chavitz. He's also a Fox News contributor. Um, I just first want to just address this whole grandfather thing. Uh, The fact that the president of the United States has a grandchild and his aides are being told not to acknowledge that he has a, a seventh grandchild and only to count all six is really 
horrible. I mean, this little four-year-old adorable little girl has a grandfather that wants nothing to do with him, and he's a bit of a public figure. It, it is disgusting. I mean, there was a court-ordered paternity test, and it was proven that yeah. Hunter Biden is the father, which makes Joe Biden the grandfather. And the idea that government bureaucrats would sit around and say, we're going to lie to the American people and tell them that Joe Biden only has six grandkids when he actually has seven and he won't even meet with this young little girl um, and wants nothing to do with her. That says a lot about the Biden family. It speaks for itself. No, I mean, it's one thing for Hunter because, you know, we don't expect much more. But from the president, you do expect much more or maybe we shouldn't expect much more. Um, uh, moving on, uh, Republican Senator Ron Johnson told the DailyMail.com that the link between the prosecutor and Hunter's business associate calls into question the integrity of their entire investigation. I'm not shocked there. But after Hunter essentially received a slap on the wrist, uh, you think this adds to the fears that the president's son may have uh, been handled with kid gloves by the DOJ? Yes. Uh, Senator Johnson is, is one of the best. He understands his case inside and out. And as was reported in the Daily Mail, you have David Weiss, who's the U.S. attorney who's looking at this. He has four people, key people that are his assistants. One of those people, a guy named Derek Hines, <clears throat> excuse me, Derek Hines, happens to have worked for Louis Free. Louis Free got a referral by Hunter Biden to get business out of Romania as a thank you. Louis Free wired $100,000 to Joe Biden's grandchildren uh, as a thank you for doing who knows what. And of the 110,000 people at the Department of Justice, he just happened to pick part of the prosecutorial team, somebody who worked and got a benefit via Hunter Biden is also part of the prosecuting team on Hunter Biden. The, the statute is clear. You cannot do that. You're highly conflicted. And what Senator Johnson is saying, it throws the whole case into question. And he's absolutely 110 percent right. So how might revelations like this and others, I guess, in the fallout of the charges impact the investigations in Congress, you think? Oh, oh, a lot. I, I, I think before it's all over, you're going to hear a lot about uh, Louis Free, uh, the idea that $100,000 ends up into Joe Biden's grandkids account and the email traffic between him mm -hmm. and Hunter. This is just but one. That's not talking about China. How, how about Jeff Cooper? Jeff Cooper is Hunter Biden's business partner. When Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States, he joined him on Air Force Two to go to Mexico. And yet Joe Biden says, I never had a discussion with my son about his business dealings. Then why were they flying on U.S. taxpayer dollars? Jeff Cooper, Hunter Biden's business partner to Mexico to do business. This is it's we could go on for hours. They are not doing their job at the Department of Justice and Republicans in Congress are going to get after it and yank all these people up there and expose it whether they want to or not. You've got Weiss who denies actually lashing out at a whistleblower. OK, when the facts are the facts, I mean, the guy was demoted and obviously it was retaliation. You've got Merrick Garland, who's protecting the whole situation. You've got the president of the United States saying that he never once has had a conversation with Merrick Garland regarding any of his cases when his top case involves his son. None of it adds up. No, especially when you have a top tier IRS whistleblower, Mr. Shapley, who has said 
David Weiss did not have full authority to charge Hunter Biden. They, they, they totally have this runaround. Could he charge him in California? Could nope. he charge him in uh, the District of Columbia? Or was he, was he uh, confined to just Delaware? That's a big question. Uh, the whistleblower has far more credibility on Absolutely. this issue. Absolutely. And had he charged him in, in Washington, he would have been charged with a felony, not with a slap on the wrist, which brings us back to our original point. You know, we hear and we talk about, we share here and you hear it, and we've almost become numb to the fact that there really is a Biden family syndicate and there is tremendous wrongdoing there and nobody's being held accountable. Nobody is being held accountable. That's the horror in this. It's not that it happened. Bad people, evil people, going to do evil, bad things. We shouldn't be surprised at that now. Are you saying, Dan, that the Biden members of the family are evil? I'm saying they're doing evil things, illegal things, unethical things, and they're doing it to enrich themselves, not the American government or the American people. They're doing it for personal gain. You tell me. You tell me, are they bad people? I think the answer is very obvious. It is what it is. Call a spade a spade. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. However you couch it, there is evil there, and no one is being held accountable. The beginning of that segment, you just heard a a brief conversation about Hunter's love child. She's now four years old. The mother wanted to give that baby the Biden last name. Absolutely not. They went to court. They got a court order proving, based on the test, that Hunter Biden is her biological father. Well, I think you could maybe understand. Her mother was a hooker when that happened. and You know, poor Hunter was in a bad place in his life. He made a mistake. Yeah, that little four-year-old girl today that is biologically and by law the granddaughter of the sitting president of the United States, could you yourself, if it happened to you, could you, if it was one of your children that fathered or gave birth to a baby girl or boy, in this case a girl, could you somehow reconcile never seeing, talking to, having that little girl or boy be a part of your life? You're their grandparent. Could you ever do that? I can't see that possibly happening to me or anybody that I know. And when I heard this about Joe Biden, I mean, he told us, and he's told us for years when he was in the Senate, when he was vice president, and he's a family guy. Our family's close. We take care of each other. Yada, 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 yada. Tell us a lot of things that we find out now weren't true. But this one, oh my gosh. This one, it's hard for me to process. The other stuff, the second half of that interview you just heard, it's like, ah, that's nothing. That's just business as usual in Washington, D.C. 
He just happened to get caught. That in itself should alarm you and everybody. We've got somebody in the White House that doesn't give a rip about the rule of law, about the rules, about what can and cannot be done within the law, and just does it because he wants to do it. And after all, I was vice president. Now I'm president. I can do whatever I want with impunity. I'm never going to be held accountable. So let's get away from that. Millions of Americans are struggling today to remain in the workforce in the U.S. While they're doing that, here we come, the lobbyist, the powerful business lobby in America is urging President Biden to increase, increase the number of foreign visa workers who these big business reps can hire to what would be the highest level on record. Now, these business groups, there's a bunch of them, nearly 130 special interest business groups, and they include many Chamber of Commerce chapters, construction companies, farms, landscapers, restaurants, retail stores. They wrote this lobbying firm for these 130 special interest business groups, wrote to the president, asking him to expand the number of foreign visa workers to fill millions of American jobs. Here's a quote from their request. We respectfully request that you expand a special category of immigration permits for individuals who can fill positions where labor shortages exist, for people migrating to the United States and long-term immigrant contributors like dreamers, farm workers, and essential workers. That's from the letter this business lobbying group sent. Already, the U.S. imports more than a million legal immigrants on green cards every year. And that's in addition to more than a million foreign visa workers who get here specifically to take American jobs. That's already happening. Big business. These big corporations we hear, oh, we give millions of dollars to charity. We work with this cause and this cause, and we're just trying to keep our company where it's financially secure so we can keep doing all the good work that we do. Meanwhile, thousands of those jobs that we're talking about, tens of thousands of those jobs, these big businesses Hire them instead of hiring Americans. Now, why would they even want to do that? When you have a question, what have I always told you? Follow the money. Follow the money. These foreign workers will work less for less. And in many cases, here we go. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's actually fact. These big businesses can bring these foreign workers in, in some cases, the ones that aren't legal. Pay them under the table, don't report their incomes, they don't have social security numbers, so they can get away paying them far less than they're paying for the Americans whose jobs are being taken away. So in particular, these business groups pointed to a plan touted by Republican Governors Eric Holcomb of Indiana and Spencer Cox. Cox of Utah, 
that plan gives states the ability to import foreign visa workers whenever business interest in those states decided that there are labor shortages that cannot be filled with Americans. One plan advanced by Republican governors, Eric Holder Holcomb of Indiana and Spencer Cox of Utah, would allow states to sponsor immigrant workers. uh, there, There are more details in it. It doesn't matter what it is. It boils down to this one thing. They want to take jobs from Americans and give them to these foreigners, even though some of these people got these special visas and give them jobs that these Americans have had for whatever reason or reasons. The Americans aren't working there at the time, and these businesses tell us it's not about the money. We just need the workers. Another story came out over the weekend, and uh, it's about immigrants. And it has to do with the elections. A federal judge blocked two provisions of a Florida law that bans foreign nationals from registering voters and makes it a third-degree felony for those collecting voter information to retain, keep, of voters' information for purposes unrelated to voter registration. Now, what does this mean? A lot of parties around the state, around the country, they will pay people to go out and farm for voters. In this case, foreign nationals. Nationals that can be legally registered to vote. The judge's name is Mark Walker. On Monday, he granted a preliminary injunction against Florida, preventing the state from imposing the law while the case makes its way through the federal courts. Walker, in his decision, said the citizenship requirement and information retention ban provisions are an assault on the right to vote. Now, here's what he said from the law. Quote, effective July 1, 2023, Section 907.0575 requires three PVROs to provide the Department of State's Division of Elections an affirmation stating that each person collecting or handling voter registration applications on behalf of that organization is a United States citizen. They must provide this affirmation in the required format before engaging in any voter registration activities. Third-party voter registration organizations will be liable for a $50,000 fine for each non-citizen who collects or handles voter registration apps on behalf of the organization. Now, what's this all about? Who better to go into the Hispanic community in your town, your city, and try to get people to go register to vote, to help them, assist them to go vote? Who better than fellow Hispanic people. Now, I believe the law sound, at least what we just heard, I think it's I think it's sound. We don't want people out there harvesting voters. If somebody is here and they're legal and they can legally vote, they need to get registered to vote. It's one thing to uh, help that person, but it's another thing to get their information and keep their information. Why would you want to keep it? You and I both know why. The American Civil Liberties Union, as well as Florida, NAACP, 
filed a lawsuit seeking preliminary injunctions to stop state officials from enforcing these provisions. Walker agreed with both the ACLU and NAACP's cases that the provision of the law violate the First and Fourteenth Amendments. (sighs) Voting is the greatest privilege that Americans have. If you talk to somebody overseas that would love to come here. I spent time recently in Africa. Did my show live from there, if you remember. I met a lot of people that wanted to talk about the United States, wanted to know what it was like, wanted to know what what happens when you get here. And these people, when they thought about and talked about being an American citizen, their eyes just lit up. They would love to have that opportunity. Those people, do you think you'd have a problem to get them if they come here legally and get citizenship? You'd have a problem getting them registered to vote? Heck no. So I don't understand why there would be concern. If somebody is harvesting voting applications, that's another thing. I think this will be either amended changed a little bit, but I think this law is going to stand. I think it will, and I think it should stand. Well, oh my gosh, drag queens front and center. <laughs> I hate to even bring these topics up because they are so, they're so deplorable in my estimation. I just can't comprehend them. I think about our six grandkids. Now, They're all basically grown. The youngest is going to be a sophomore in high school this coming school year. Got two that are out of school and three that will be seniors this year. The twin girls and then their cousin, a boy. They're all going to graduate. I think about them when they were younger. I can't imagine how I would have felt if somebody was grooming one of my grandkids some young age. Details on that after this. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey, you can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant around. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 double crispy cheesy burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new double crispy cheesy burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger, the Flame Fresh Taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah, there it is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the Flame Fresh Taste. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. 
How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? <laughs> it's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Listening to that AT&T commercial, isn't it fun to hear kids laughing? <laughs> and especially when you ask them a question. That was some really good answers. Um, I hadn't heard that ad before. Really good one there. And again, we're talking about kids. So, New Jersey's passed a law about grooming. A New Jersey drag queen, who happens to be a former school board member, said that shielding children from seeing a drag performance does a disservice to their young minds. Eric L. Pinkney, whose drag name is Miss Savannah, Georgia, shared his frustration with parents protesting drag queen story hour and other drag performances for children in an op-ed in USA Today. Mr. Pinkney, the drag queen, said his favorite performances are those center stage right in front of young children reading books to them. But with over a dozen states passing laws heavily restricting these drag performances, Pinckney says states are working hard to end his favorite performance spaces. The members of the drag community are under fire, and it's a pointless war we are forced to fight, he wrote. And this battle being thrust upon us has too many innocent bystanders who could be damaged in the struggles. He claimed that efforts to protect young children from drag queen performances are doing a disservice to young minds. Honestly, these people believe that. They believe they're doing a good service. Let me ask you a question. Mr. Pinckney, if he was here on the phone, I'd ask him. Mr. Pinckney, if somebody that knows you, gets you on the phone, call me. 1-866-37-TRUTH. Call me. I'll pay for the call. Put you on live. 1-866-37-TRUTH. Here's what I'll ask you. One question, and I'll let you answer. Why do you need to talk to little kids and let them see you as a drag queen? Why not doing to fellow adults? And I think we all know the answer to that question. Would you admit it? In March this year, Tennessee passed a bill banning drag show performances in public places. They were the first state to do that. Those who violate that law face up to a year of jail and a fine of 2,500 bucks. However, a federal judge ruled Tennessee's law is unconstitutional. But Pinckney's New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has declared New Jersey as safe haven for transgenders. Young people must learn a lot of things at an early age. And one of the most important lessons they need to learn is about love, acceptance, and compassion. 
Now, this is Pinckney writing. Those opposing the drag community and every treasure that we bring to the world obviously need to learn those lessons as well. Despite not having any children of his own, Pinckney served on the Asbury Park Board of Education for two years, 2018 to 2020. And he wrote this, Keeping young minds closed is never a good thing. And by keeping drag performers from even reading a book such as Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss, The Not-So-Perfect Penguin by Steve Smallman, or The Star of the Zoo by Virginie Zerker and Daniel Howarth, just to name a few of my favorites, those against the drag community are doing a disservice. No explanation of what the disservice is and how it's being a disservice at all. I, I, I think, this is my personal opinion, I think he just got mad because he doesn't get his way. He can't be a drag queen in front of little kids. And why would it, I'll ask it again, why does it have to be in front of little kids? In response to the woke agenda behind the drag time story hour found in libraries across our country, Hollywood actor Kirk Cameron, he went on his own book tour across the country promoting Christian values. He wasn't well received by many. If we want to see the future look like the kind of place we grew up in or our grandparents grew up in, we need to start investing and planting seeds today that are going to grow into the future trees of liberty and blessings for our kids. That's Kirk Cameron. One of the ways we do that is by being the ones who tell them these stories, not allowing cross-dressing men to tell our children stories that lead our kids in a different direction, he said. Libraries used to be safe places for families, but many of them now seem to be agenda-driven places that welcome drag queens to hold story hours for kids. This is just plain wrong, and I'm so glad Kirk Cameron has decided to tell a different story. That's Franklin Graham saying that, and I agree with it. I agree with it. One thing you need to understand, I think I've told this story before, and it's really not a story. It's from a scripture, Genesis 8 and 20. It's right after the flood. And as you remember the story of the flood, the big flood, Noah and his family were the ones that got all the animals of the earth, got a pair of them on the ark. They went in the ark, and the world was flooded. They were the only survivors. So after that happened, immediately after that happened, and the water receded, God spoke to Noah, and he met with Noah. And he made some promises to Noah. And here are the promises. He said, as long as the world exists, and he promised he'd never destroy the world with water and never do it again. But he promised this, there will always be light and dark. There will always be summer and winter. There will always be hot and cold. And there will always be seed time and harvest. That's today pretty pretty across the board called reap and sow. Of those four things, there's only one of them that we have any control over, that we have anything to do with. God takes care of the summer and winter. He takes care of the light and dark, and he takes care of the hot and cold. The other one, the reap and sow principle, that's ours. And what does it mean? 
we're supposed to put seeds in the ground. I mean, you're eating stuff. Unless it's an animal, you're eating stuff that grew and it was put as a seed or a plant into the ground and it grew into what it is. And even if you eat meat, the creatures that provide that meat, most of them, they fed on the stuff that grows out of the ground. Again, somebody planted something that grew, they ate it, that gave them the strength to grow, and then later they become food for humans. Plants, if you want watermelons, you plant watermelon seeds. If you want peaches, you plant peach seeds. The insanity in large part of the drag queen and the trans community is this. They forget about that those four rules that God gave Noah. One of them belongs to us. It's our responsibility. And that one is whatever you put in the ground, it's going to grow every time. It's going to grow what it is. Maybe that is the reason this guy and other drag and other trans people purposely, they want to get out and promote who they think they are and that lifestyle. They want to plant those seeds. They want that fourth law of God that he gave to Noah after the flood to be true, which is if parents and educators, if they let us get in front of their kids and we sow seeds of transgenderism and as of cross-dressers, drag queens, some of these kids will grow into exactly what those seeds that were planted in them are. We as parents, grandparents, educators, teachers, we need to stop planting those seeds and start planting only what we want to see grow in those kids' hearts and lives. And honestly, I have no question with it. You parents not only have the right to restrict that, you must restrict that and anything else that, in your opinion, is negative for your children. Everything they see is a seed. It's getting planted in their minds. You start talking about electronics. You start talking about iPads and iPhones and laptops. Everything they seed, and it is being seeded into them, it's going to grow. And if you want peaches, plant peach seeds. Don't plant watermelon seeds and expect peaches to grow. It doesn't happen that way. You get what you plant, period. And speaking of that, it's very interesting what's going on in the the uh, kind of a new little left turn in the transgender movement. And Jen Saki, old circle back Saki, she's got her own show and I don't even know the network it's on. I haven't watched her. Uh, I, when she was the White House press secretary, I watched only as much as I had to to get information because she just made my blood boil. But there is an interesting movement that 
is purportedly going on among the Muslim community in the United States of America, and especially the Muslim community as it pertains to trans, trans people in that philosophy. I'll let you, let her tell you what's going on, allegedly. Hundreds of parents of different faiths in Maryland recently protested their school district's controversial LGBTQ curriculum. They want their children to be given the right to opt out. included parents of the Islamic, Christian, Jewish, and Hindu faiths. Pretty diverse group, and one of the protesters tells Fox News this isn't about politics, but rather the desire for their kids to have a quality education and the freedom of religion. The former White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, apparently she has a different take. She claims Republicans are recruiting Muslim Americans against transgender people. By pitting one group of Americans against another, the GOP successfully managed to split off Southern whites from the Democratic Party. Now, decades later, the right wing is reviving that same playbook, this time with Muslim Americans and trans people. Hear me out here. The GOP is trying to recruit Muslim Americans, a community that makes up less than 2% of the US population, against another tiny marginalized group of Americans, transgender people. So it's all a Republican ploy, Kara, if I've got that right. Um, So I thought we should hear directly from some Muslim leaders. Ismael Royer, she's the director of uh, the Islam and Religious Freedom Action Team, says the left wants to scare Muslims into accepting its indoctrination of our children in exchange for a smile and pat on the head. They insult Muslims by portraying us as having no agency or intelligence, but can't imagine that we've weighed the bargain they offer us and rejected it. Then the head of CARE, Edward Ahmed Mitchell, instead of addressing the substance of the concerns these families have raised about what's happening in public schools, the likes of MSNBC paint these parents as dupes being used by the political right directly from Muslim faith leaders. Exactly. And the left is all about projection. So it's whatever the they think that the other side is doing, they're probably doing themselves. This coming from the former press secretary from one of the most divisive administrations, at least in my lifetime, uh, I, I think that's pretty rich. But I also ask Jen Psaki to look at the Armenians clashing with yes. Antifa in California. Uh, they're not Muslim. They are simply traditional parents who want to bring their children up in a more traditional homes. They object to them being sexualized in the curriculum. They object to the predations of some of these teachers that, frankly, Libs of TikTok has exposed on her account on Twitter and on TikTok as well. So I think that this is um, people really looking at the evidence of their eyes and their ears. They are not pawns in this divisive game that, frankly, the left is very good at playing. And all they're asking for is to opt out of the curriculum, let their child be insulated from teachings that they don't agree with or don't want them exposed to at an early age. And Kevin, I don't get how this is a made-up movement by Republicans when this has happened in Maryland. It's Canada. So Republicans are going to Canada to get the Muslims on board? I mean... Yeah, well, and this is right in Karen and I's backyard, uh, living in Washington, D.C., just in Montgomery County. Listen, I think there needs to be a balance with anything with regards to curriculum, right? There's an important role that I think schools play with teaching age-appropriate sexual health, gender identity, sexual orientation, high schools when kids, when it's appropriate for children. Um, But I think one of the other things to come uniquely out of the pandemic is the rise of these parents. 
And they certainly have a voice. And I'm a Democrat on this uh, couch saying parents certainly have a voice. And there should be a process by which people can opt out from curriculum that they find super objectionable to their religious beliefs. And I think we've got to strike a balance without these protests in the street, without anyone getting harmed. Because at the end of the day, kids have every right to a first-rate education. It's a great school district in Montgomery County. But again, it needs to be age-appropriate with that curriculum. It should, and the demonization is going to backfire. Let's listen to a Montgomery County Council member. She apologized for these comments, I want to point out, but we should bring them to you nonetheless. This issue has unfortunately put, it does put uh, some, not all of course, but some Muslim families on the same side of an issue as white supremacists and outright bigots. And, you know, there are, however, the, the, uh, the folks who I've talked to here today, I would not put in the same category as those folks. Although, you know, it's again complicated because they're falling on the same side of this particular issue. So she apologized, but she's putting Muslims on the side of white supremacists. And if you remember, Jamil Hill put the Asian Americans mm. as carrying water for white supremacists. Well, first, don't forget, Kaylee, it started with women that we vote Republican or conservative because our husbands told us to. Right. And then remember, the New <laughs> oh, York yeah. Times talked about the rise of the white nationalist Hispanic. Uh, yesterday, we have Jamil Hill t- attacking Asian Americans. And now, of course, they're, the Muslims community uh, is, is being attacked in, in Maryland. So it doesn't matter what ethnic minority group you are, what gender you are, uh, you're going to get attacked if you align with conservative policy. So, you know, welcome. You should get used to it. And also, Kaylee, if we as a Republican Party were actually that good at master manipulation <laughs> yeah. of everybody, we would be winning more races. That's a so, good point. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, it's, uh, they're giving us a lo- all a little bit more credit than I think we deserve. The bottom line is that this is a free country and that there's a lot of uh, women who vote conservative, not because their husband tells them to, but because that's how they, cho- they want their children to believe. And so, So there's a lot of people who have very conservative religious beliefs in this country, not just Christians. Doesn't mean they're white supremacists. It just means they believe in traditional values. Welcome to the Republican Party. Well, and Kaylee, I mean, look, we we can disagree on politics, and that's fine as adults. We can agree on how to parent children. And one of the things that the pandemic exposed was what was happening in classrooms across this country, what was being taught or not taught. And if you look now at some of the scores, in particular in states like New York, uh, these children are very, very behind because of the lack of teaching. I'm not beating up on teachers, not beating up on parents. I'm just saying that this is a conversation that should not be politicized. Shame on Jen Psaki for politicizing something that is not, at the end of the day, political. It's about these kids. Absolutely. And it's Hindu, Christian. Jewish, Armenian, Muslim. Uh, These aren't single-issue voters, but on at least this issue, um, they're aligning on the side of the Republican Party. You know, the thing that just shocked me in that conversation, and especially the segment from Jen Psaki, former White House press secretary, was this. Islam, the Muslim religion, Islam, homosexuality is a sin. And homosexuality in the Islamic community is punishable by death. Now, we're not talking about gay stuff here. We're talking about trans transgender people hooking up with white supremacists because, simply, white supremacists don't like the concept of transgenderism, don't believe it's genuine, don't believe it's truthful, and the same is true from the Muslim community. But let me say this. The Muslim belief, Islam, and their Bible called the Quran, 
It was in existence way before there were Republicans in the United States of America. I'll never forget, I got somebody sent, I, and I get a lot of text and emails, people sending me stuff. And I, I look at it all, I listen to it all. Sometimes it takes some time, but I do. Because if it's important enough for someone to take the trouble to send it to me, I want to check it out. And I got no explanation with this YouTube video. And I put it up on my screen and hit play. And it was it was the it was a picture. It was actually looked like it was taken from somebody on the street looking across the street at about a seven-story building. And it was during the late evening. It was getting close to being dead dark. No explanation. And I just looked at it. I hit play, and it starts playing. I don't hear anything, don't see anything. And all of a sudden, I see a black shape coming from the top of the building, and bam, it hit the street. I couldn't figure out what it was. 30 seconds later, there was another one, and then another one, and another one. I found out after this, those were Muslims on the roof of this building, and they were executing homosexual men because homosexuality is a sin punishable by death in Islam. I'm just saying, I'm pointing that out. But it shouldn't shock us when somebody takes something like that and turns it into politicization and political uh, trying to weaponize politics against somebody with who they disagree. In this case, Democrats, Jen Psaki, and demonizing anybody that has any kind of a relative situation with anybody that is conservative. Republican, of course, they all call Republicans MAGA white supremacists now. Name-calling. My mother taught me a long time ago that name-calling doesn't do you any good and not to do it. In fact, she said, it's wrong. It's wrong. Let's go back to the southern border. You remember the Biden administration came up with this app, this app that they put out internationally. And it's a phone app specifically for people that want to come to the United States and formally request, legally request asylum. So they put this app together. Let me tell you about what the app has done. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol They announced an expansion to the number of daily asylum appointments that were available to migrants who are seeking admission through one of several southwest border ports of entry. So what this means, in short, you get on this app and you want to go to and make a formal legal uh, request, an asylum request for the United States. They give you a time and a place to do it. So these people then go to these ports of entry, and it's now become legal. Don't even think about it being legal according to law. It's according to Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas and other people in the Department of Homeland Security and the Border Protection. So the numbers obviously have gone up. Now what does this mean? Well, they go there, they go to the border port of entry, They have the appointment. They show who they are, prove who they are. They're there. Then what happens? Well, you're there. You're supposed to have your asylum case heard by 
a border control judge. Problem is, the appointments to go to the southern border are not the same thing as the appointments once you get there and file your asylum claim to go in front of a judge for that case, your case to be adjudicated. It takes years from the time these appointments are made and people show up to when they're going to go before an immigration judge to hear their asylum case. So what happens? The Biden administration just lets them go. Gives them notice. Here's the date and time you're supposed to appear. Pat them on the back. Give them a free cell phone. Give them $1,500 cash. Send them to an NGO, non-governmental operation and not-for-profit, and they're going to help you with housing and clothing and food and education for your kids and health care and get you set up. You're living here illegally, but you did the Biden way. You got here using the app. So what are the numbers? The increase... The daily total of migrant admissions through this application went from 1,250 a day to 1,450 a day. According to the Border Patrol's announcement on June 30th, the number represents a 50% increase from the daily total appointments available from May 12th when Border Patrol officers started processing 1,000 appointments each day. This app is touted by Border Patrol as safe, orderly, and humane. It's a process for migrants to access ports of entries, providing Border Patrol officers with advanced information for screening and vetting to determine admissibility on a case-by-case basis. The use of the app for this purpose is getting massive criticism, as you can imagine. A lot of members in Congress who believe the admission of migrants through ports of entry is merely an attempt to hide the crisis at our southwest border from the public. In a recent interview, House Committee on Homeland Security Chairman Mark Green, who's a Republican from Tennessee, described the use of the app by Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas as an attempt to mask the illegal entry numbers. Green told the reporter, Neil Cavuto, the numbers aren't going down. That's a shell game for Mayorkas. And the chairman of the committee, Green, added they had another month of 200,000-plus migrant encounters. And what's happened since Title 42 is he's using the Border Patrol 1 app to actually hide the true numbers. So a person, here's how it works. A person comes to the border, They're telling them to voluntarily return to Mexico, fill out the app, and then come on in. And they're immediately released. They're giving them parole into the United States against the Immigration and Naturalization Act. So those numbers are hidden in another count. They're hidden. Once again, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is breaking the law and suborning illegality, felony illegality actions by the Homeland Security Secretary on every illegal immigrant that they let into the country in violation of the Immigration and Naturalization Act. Nothing 
is being done about it. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Truth, justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. I don't want to miss, I've got a really short audible that I want to give to you for you to hear, and it's about reparations. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to outside of this live show, they bring up the conversation about reparations and how many people, I don't care what their color is, their nation of origin, most of these people in large numbers say there's no way to justify it. That's kind of the consensus. But there are just these hardcore people that feel like somebody owes them something. Somebody owes them something. Forget about the details. Forget about the history of what you're talking about, and forget about the practicality of what you're proposing. Somebody owes me something. Well, Dagan McDowell of Fox News, this struck me over the weekend. I heard her do this live on the air, and I thought I would share it with you. Dagan McDowell gives an inside look at the reality of reparations. There's no, so no payments for more than three years and no interest accruing for more than three years. What does that mean? When you have a loan with no interest accruing, that loan is declining in real value (laughs) by the inflation rate. Of course. So what has happened over the last three and a half years, everybody in this entire country 
with student debt has gotten a bailout because their loans have declined yeah, in, in value. value by the inflation rate because they have not paid a dime in in payments and they have not had interest accruing on those loans. So you got your bailout regardless anyway. of what SCOTUS decided today. So shut the hell up. So you're talking about the student loan bailouts and reparations in the same conversation. Oh my gosh. Somebody owes me something. That's really what we're talking about. Somebody owes me something. That spirit is the antithesis to what this nation was founded to be. So the 2024 campaign, we're already in it informally, but uh, it's, it's upon us. Election day is still 16 months away. But plenty of stuff has showed up in the early months of the presidential campaign. Republican field looks like it's set. Biden's not facing a real serious challenge for the Democrat nomination. Supreme Court keeps throwing curveballs. There, I hate to tell you this, but I think you know it's true. There are a lot of twists and turns still to come. But I'm going to give you some of the things we know about the campaign right now. Just a few. Number one, indictments aren't hurting Trump with the Republican base. Trump has been twice impeached, twice indicted. He remains the crystal clear front runner for the Republican nomination. And his legal troubles are still developing. He could yet face other charges pertaining to the Capitol riot of January 6th and particularly his attempts to pressure state-level officials to overturn the 2020 election. He continues to promote false claims that the election was stolen. And I put that sentence in quotation marks because saying it's not false claims means you have facts that prove it wasn't. And I don't believe, haven't seen any evidence yet that does say and prove there were not incorrect false ballots counted in the 2020 election. To the Republican base, at least, none of this seems to matter regarding Trump. April 3rd, the day before Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg announced the first ever criminal indictment of a former president, Trump led Florida Governor DeSantis by about 24 points in the 538 national polling average. Then, the second indictment over the sensitive documents recovered from Mar-a-Lago. In that case, Trump pled not guilty to all 37 charges against him. Today, Trump's lead... It's up to 28 points in the same poll. 28 points before any of this happened. (laughs) And it goes up. He now commands the support of an outright majority of Republican voters, 52% in the same poll, 538 average. And an economist YouGov poll last week, 55% of us viewed the former president unfavorably against 43% who viewed him favorably. What else? Democrats don't have a good answer to the question about Joe Biden's age. President Biden's already the oldest president in history. If he won a second term, served until it was over, he would be 86. Voter concerns are made more acute when Biden suffers his verbal miscues, like referring to the war in Iraq when he clearly means in Ukraine, and he did that last week physical fall at an Air Force Academy graduation ceremony on the 1st of June did not do Biden's image 
any good either. DeSantis has been underwhelming so far, and this is the coup de grace in this part of this conversation. He's almost six weeks into his campaign, hadn't been very impressive. The troubles began right away. A Twitter Spaces launch event that the DeSantis campaign presumably believed would mark him out as an innovative disruptor instead was a glitch-ridden mess. And as we said, it goes downhill from there. We're going to let that be the end of today's show. Had stuff to bring to you. We didn't get to it. We'll get to it tomorrow. 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday Central. TNN Live. We're going to do it tomorrow, and we'll see you then. Have a great one.